Luke 14, 15 to 24. And as I was preparing for this, I thought it might make a little sense as well just to jump back to 14, verse 1, and a few other verses uh, in Luke 14, just before we read from 15 to 24. Because in Luke 14, verse 1, it says, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. So the context is that Jesus has been invited to a, a feast, a banquet, at this Pharisee's place. And then, in verse, jump to verse 7, um, it, it says that Jesus told them a parable. So before the parable that we're reading, there was another parable that Jesus spoke to the people about guests and hosts. At verse 12, Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors, because if you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And our text then begins at verse 15. 24. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they, all alike, began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And the servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think it's probably safe to say that most of us like banquets. Perhaps wedding banquets, anniversary banquets, our kids, you might think of your banquets as birthday parties, or we even have awards banquets. This week, I had the privilege to attend the South Huron Award Banquet. It involved uh, getting dressed up and getting together as friends and as a community. And as most banquets go, this banquet involved a celebration, especially as many people from our church and community were recognized or involved. Most people enjoy banquets. And this was no different in ancient times as well. Banquet, banquets were special and they were often a time of celebration. In fact, in ancient Israel, the banquets would often last for days. So as we continue our series on the parables of God's kingdom, for those who weren't here last week, we heard a parable on this story that this is which is known as the prodigal son. The younger son returned to his family, and the father threw a banquet. He threw a feast. It was, again, it was a celebration, a time of rejoicing. Well, the context of this passage 
takes place, as mentioned from verse 1, in the home of a well-to-do Pharisee. When people in ancient Israel threw a party, what they would often do is put their BFFs, best friends forever, on their invite list, but only, only if they were certain that they would get an invite back. If there was a possibility that somebody maybe was too poor to have a party and not invite them back, then they would not make their A list or their B list. In this culture, what is going on is what's known as the ethics of reciprocity. Basically, invite people to your banquet because you were invited to their banquet, or without a doubt, you will be invited to theirs. Ethics of reciprocity, it may sound somewhat complicated, but it's actually quite simple. If I do something for you, you are obligated to do something in return for me. You owe me. People operated their hospitality like a business contract. Many relationships in ancient Israel, as they do today, are based on certain conditions. They are based on reciprocity. There is an exchange of services or something, and banquets were no different. Well, Jesus is upsetting the traditions by saying, do not operate in a realm of business but operate in the realm of the kingdom. And the kingdom of God uses grace and love. And the culture of the day was such that to accept an invitation and be a guest meant that there was an obligation to extend a comparable invitation and be a host. And yes, there are times that one might be a guest and other times that one might be a host. I will invite you means that you have to invite me in return. And as a result, the powerful and rich would not invite the poor. It would be an utter waste of time to invite the poor. Because the invitation back by the poor could not be as great as what was offered by the rich. If a person was invited to a steak or lobster dinner, it would be an insult to invite the host back to hot dogs on the barbecue. In addition... The rich could not be associated with those who are different. It would impact their social status. Furthermore, for many of us today, mealtimes are kind of quickly scarfed down the food and let's just go where we need to go. But in ancient times, mealtimes were almost sacred times. Meal times occur generally within the same social class and with extended families such as friends and brothers and sisters and relatives and rich neighbors. And Jesus is not against inviting family and friends to the meal. It's hospitable to invite those that we, are, we know and that are comfortable with. But Jesus is encouraging people to go that one step beyond their comfort zone, beyond society's norm. And so Jesus tells this parable where the host of the banquet has invited many guests. The save the date cards went out. The invitations went out. And nobody replied that they could not come to this banquet until the feast was ready. And then people began declining their invite. When it came to the banquet day, the host sent his servant out to let the people know that, hey, everything's ready and, and you may start to come to the banquet. 
and people who had been previously invited and obviously not declined the invitation on the day of the banquet began to make excuses. In fact, these people were making lies. Someone said that they had bought a field and they need to check on it. Well, everyone listening to this parable around the table would have known that nobody buys a field without already knowing everything about it. He would have already checked out this field. It was a lie. Similar with buying ox. This too would have been a lie because the agribusiness person would have checked out the ox and made sure that the oxen can work together prior to buying. So either Jesus is telling a story of this poor business person, or again, these people are lying. The listeners would have seen these as lies. Getting married is another lie. Weddings like today are planned. And this could only be an excuse because the wedding would have been known at the time of the original invitations. And a decline would have gone out at that time because they knew the wedding was coming up. And the wedding would have been known among the community folks. Another lie. So the host, of course, is insulted. They indicated they were coming. And now they've come up with these lies. And so he understandably becomes disappointed and angry. And the host becomes angry and told his servant, just go out into the streets and the alleys. In the alleys you'll find the poor and the crippled, the lame, the blind, the lepers, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. These people were considered underprivileged and were labeled the lower class citizens in society. They were kind of from the other side of the track, so to speak. And these people were unable to invite back. So the listeners would have been sitting there and have thought that Jesus was out of his mind to suggest such a thing. In fact, these people were not even allowed in one's premises. There was a separation between social classes, which resulted in a separation of religious classes. Well, Jesus demanded that the people are to forget about social status and traditions of sacred mealtimes. Jesus was countercultural. And this would result in the breakdown in the ethics of reciprocity among the members of society. Jesus was teaching a parable where people would be expected to give gifts and extend hospitality and receive nothing in return. People were called to be hosts without the possibility of ever being a guest. When we think about it, isn't that how God operates? We saw that this morning through baptism. Baptism is all about God. And this morning we were witnesses of, of Maya being invited into the family of God. We witnessed God's promises to Maya on account of nothing that she has done. Now, we could say that Maya has no indication of accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. However, other than the fact that her parents are believing and she is in a healthy community of disciples, but God is extending his arm of grace, as we said to Maya, and expecting no reciprocity. He's expecting nothing in return. His grace does not have conditions. And Lord willing, the power of God's Holy Spirit, Maya will accept God's gracious invitation to his feast.
out of thanksgiving, out of gratitude for all that God has done, for what God has done this morning. God's grace goes out to us without conditions. That's why we call it amazing grace. We sing the words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. God didn't wait until we were no longer wretches. God called us while we were wretches. And in response, we'd want to accept Jesus, to believe in him, to love God, to love one another. Who wouldn't want to accept his invitation of grace? Again, an invitation to these people is countercultural and is mission. And Jesus commanded the people to do mission. The word invite in the Greek text is a command to the people, and it was not given to them as an option. It was given as a command, and Jesus commanded that it was a time that people adjusted their guest list. Jesus commanded hosts to extend table fellowship to the needy and the hungry. And the needy and the hungry were those thirsting for the word of God and the good news of Jesus Christ. And we've all been there at one time. Jesus didn't prohibit giving inviting family, prohibit inviting family and friends. The people were required to be hospitable to one another. But Jesus stated that inviting unfamiliar, hurting people was a necessary thing to do. And in doing so, the people are going against the cultural norm of expecting things in return. Do it to others. Just because God did it for us. The striking thing in this passage is that Jesus is actually the guest. So he understands what it is to be in the guest position. He has been in our position as a human being. He came down to earth as God in the flesh. He knows the struggles. He knows the challenges. Jesus was a guest among the sinners and tax collectors who were looked upon as lower than the low in society. And so was Jesus, as a matter of fact, because he was hung on a cross. Just as Christ has been the guest, we too have been the guests. We were all dead in our transgressions and sins. You can read that in Ephesians 2. Until our great host, God, presented his son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice. Christ in his rich glory, and now the host, invited to his dinner table the poor, the lame, the blind, the crippled, the sinful. And that's us. And that's how we are characterized at one time. And through Christ, we have been given a new life. And through Christ, may we desire to live our life for him as his guests and accept the no-strings-attached invitation of Jesus today. No excuses. And as guests of Christ, we also have the opportunity to turn into hosts. And so we're called to be hosts. And the benefit of the host thinking one time as the guest is that it builds community. It connects bridges and removes the gap because it's not about us and them, but we. An invitation is to be made to people who are no different than us. That means people who need Jesus Christ just as much as we do 
for we all fall short of the glory of God. We're all invited to take part in Christ's rich glory. We're all invited to become new creations in Christ. We are all guests and hosts and nothing to do with the ethics of reciprocity but everything to do with what God has done for each one of us through his son Jesus Christ and responding out of gratitude and thanksgiving to God. In Matthew 28 verse 19 we have what's called the Great Commission and it states go and make disciples of all nations and again in this Great Commission, as in this parable, we're told to go. And we need to go outside the church walls. And in evangelism, there cannot only be a go component. In evangelism, there also needs to be a come component, an inviting component. So as hosts, we're not called to expect an invitation back. As guests, people are simply called to respond in gratitude to God's invitation. And we've been there, and we've been blessed to be part of God's kingdom. And on account of this blessing, go and invite. And don't expect repayment from those that we invite. Invite out of gratitude for what our great host has done for each of us. The twist at the end is that if you have better things to do than to accept the invite to the banquet, you'll not be seated at the table. There's no seat for those who don't accept the invitation in the kingdom of God. And especially when you say, I can't come. But if you cry out, Lord, have mercy, there will be room for you at the banquet table. Out of God's grace, he's invited us all to the banquet table. He's invited us into his kingdom. The messianic banquet is the gathering of God's people throughout his kingdom on earth. The prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament uh, points to this banquet where Jesus will invite the poor and the needy of Israel to a free meal and then later refers to Jesus inviting the chosen Jews and Gentiles. You can read that in Isaiah 55 and 25. Now what happened over time between Isaiah and the New Testament is that some of the biblical writings became obscured and people were teaching that there's no room for Gentiles, there's no room for those with disabilities or, or who, those who don't fit into the middle class mold. And Jesus is saying, no, there is. And he's desiring his banquet hall to be full. Verse 23. And he's extending his grace, desiring people who will come. Our God is the ultimate host. And he's inviting people of all nations. And he's inviting you today, too. You can be his guest. And this is an invite to a great feast. It's an invite to a, just a future celebration. It's an invite to his kingdom here on earth today. Don't, in, don't view it as an invitation with conditions. It's not the ethics of reciprocity. It's not about waiting to have life all together before making a public profession of faith or to have it all together to serve in leadership or can I be part of the church body with such a messy life and all the baggage that I have. God has invited you not because you're perfect, but he's invited you as his guest so that you may respond. 
to God's invite out of thankfulness and gratitude and accept his gracious invite today. And out of God's grace, he's molded each of us from being a guest to becoming a host. You are also a host. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been empowered to invite others to experience God's grace and love through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is working in the hearts of people right now. The Holy Spirit is working in the hearts of people of Exeter Christian Reformed Church. The Holy Spirit is working in the hearts of people in Exeter and surrounding communities. There are people who are waiting to be invited here and beyond to have fellowship with Jesus at his feast in his kingdom. So God, as the great host to all of us, pours out his Holy Spirit to empower us to be hosts in Christ's church. And we're called to go. Go out and invite guests to come and feast with us at the banquet. What a wonderful privilege it is for us to invite into our fellowship other guests who can also experience God's amazing grace and complete forgiveness of all our sins in their lives. So through God's grace, go and invite people to come. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you again for your word in which we're reminded over and over again how you come to us and how you call us and you invite us into your presence, into your kingdom. So Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, may we respond out of humility and thankfulness. In today's world, like the ancient world, it's so easy to take things for granted and to put other things ahead of you. But through your Spirit, work in our hearts and minds to seek you and to seek first your kingdom. Hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.